<laughs> okay. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I, would... I don't know. I don't have anything else. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> Is laughter okay to like, yeah, there's going to be chuckles? Yes, absolutely. There will be. Which makes it more real. Nobody wants a super boring conversation, right? That's why I do it when I can bring in a guest. It adds a level of depth to it and conversation to it that is more appealing, I think. And you have different experiences yeah. perspectives than I do. Um, I haven't walked in your shoes. You haven't walked in mine, right? So your perspective is is unique and people can value have find value in that. So, all right, well... This is the Living Brightly podcast with Elaine Cross, and I have some special guests with me today, Madison and Adam, and we are going to talk about a topic that some people really get and some people don't really even think about, and the transition from, I don't know, being young and independent and probably not thinking about it at all, to being very responsible with money. So that's what the topic of today is, and God wants us to be aware of what we do with our money. It's a tool that he provides for us. So if you could each just introduce yourselves, tell me a little bit about you, and we'll get started. Okay. Um, I'm Adam Leffler. I'm an engineer for a research and development company. Madison is my wife. Can I say that? Yeah, you're allowed. Oh, <laughs> we are indeed married yes uh, you'll figure that out sooner or later anyway so right. it's yeah um let's see i don't know what else to say well how long have you been married 10 years quiz why are you looking at me because <laughs> it's a quiz it's always a, that's always a quiz i actually got it wrong this year <laughs> <laughs> Should be looking at you. Yep, we've been married ten years, uh, dating for a much longer than that. <laughs> like seven years, something else. So about seventeen years together. Together, and started in high school, which yeah. is you know you don't hear about that very often in a positive way, and yet you guys have a great relationship. So that's cool, Madison. Tell us a little bit about you. I'm Madison. I'm the wife. <laughs> You're more than that. <laughs> um, no, I'm also an engineer. Uh, I do systems engineering. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've been together for 17 years, married for 10. Um, All rosy and, and butterflies, right? It's been a honeymoon ever since the start in. No. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we both took jobs. Um, away from home, so we moved states away. So, um, you know, when we got our big boy and big girl jobs, uh, we were starting for our, our entire adult life in a new state with, you know, no friends or family that we knew. So um, that's a little bit of context of where we got into our marriage, I guess. Yeah. Because it was, you got married and then moved, right? Yeah, like a week later. Right. So even though you had been together and done a lot together, it was like, okay, now we're married. We're going to live together. 
oh, and by the way, we're going to move 800 miles away from everybody we know and the culture that we know and everything that is normal and figure this whole thing out with just you and me, kid. <laughs> yeah, as newlyweds. Yeah, exciting. And were you guys on track financially? Were you guys like both completely out of debt and you moved here and you were able to start a fabulous life because you've got big girl and big boy jobs and no debt? Oh, no, we were a financial mess. I mean, we had just gotten out of college, so we had all that college debt and... um, Round number, what would you say you were in debt to? Almost $100,000. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's not atypical these days. No. Um, Because not all of that can be subsidized. Um, You know, I didn't grow up having a lot. My family couldn't contribute a lot, so... You know, it's kind of, you can do this, but you're going to have to borrow money to do it. And I don't regret it, but we were, you know, I didn't know what that I didn't know exactly what that meant. And I didn't know exactly how much I was going to be. And, you know, some of those loans, I didn't understand, you know, all the fine print and, you know, what the fixed or variable income, you know, interest rate and all that stuff. Some of some of my loans were accruing interest while I was in school, so they doubled by the time I graduated. Wow. Um, and just, you, if you don't know, you don't know. You're just like, I have to, I have to borrow to get through school. And sure, sure. You know, once you're in halfway, it's like, well. Can't turn back now. Now I got to graduate with something <laughs> so I can pay off all this debt. But yeah, so we started with, you know, that was just school debt. You know, there was some medical debt that I had as well. Um, I think a lot of it came from me, but Adam had some of his own too. Yeah. Um, graduate school um, loans that I accrued. So did you get through your bachelor's degree without a lot of debt? or? Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, I had... My my parents um, helped to start me out. I think it was like first semester or something. They kind of like helped me get set up. Um, but then after that, they were like, well, you're going to have to find a job. You're going to have to pay off what whatever education you're going to do. Right. Um, and they showed me how to apply for scholarships. Um, so I got a lot of it through scholarships. But um I didn't have good enough grades. <laughs> I did get one scholarship. <laughs> yeah. Um, but over the summer, I would take just whatever job I could find and worked as hard as I could to save up enough that I would um, cover the next. I mean, you were working like two or three minimum wage jobs at a time. Sometimes, yeah, I was during working school. two or three jobs too. Yeah. So. And did you work during school, Madison? I tried my hardest not to work during my school year. I worked my butt off through the summers. Um, but having ADHD, I knew that it was a struggle for me in that school setting in general. And that's kind of a whole other topic. But, sure. you know, I, I needed the the time because it just takes me extra time to do certain tasks. And some of that is homework and projects and assignments and I really needed that time in the evenings to do the work in order to get decent grades, in order to keep that one scholarship that I did have. 
Um, and I really don't think I could have done that with a job at the same time. My grades would have really suffered. So I really tried my best to work as much as I could through the summers and try to stay focused on classes. Because, I mean, I was going to engineering school with ADHD and I was like, this is a lot, you know, and it's a very academic, heavy um, subject. That it was quite difficult, but I managed to graduate with like a 3.25. That's great. So I think that was a wonderful accomplishment, but I don't think I could have done that if I had to work, you know, like Adam did, two or three jobs on the side trying to pay for it. So I, I did make a conscious decision that I wasn't going to work that much because I knew that I wouldn't be able to keep up the grades. Right. Um, but it, I did end up having to pay for it, literally. Well, and I think from what you just said, it sounds like you set yourself up as best you could for success. And, and sometimes being 19, 20, 21 years old, you don't think about that. But I think somewhere along the line, and maybe if we, we talk again about ADHD, which I think would be a really good topic, um, learning to know your limits, learning to know what you need to do to yeah. set yourself up for success. I think there's there's a lot to be said for what you did, just the way you articulated it in that for me to be successful at school, which would compound throughout the rest of my life, I cannot take the extra time to try to do something on the side to work, whatever. But in the end, that meant ka-ching, a lot of debt. A lot of that, a new home and a new state, a new culture. Um, how did that go when you first moved down here? Now, had you been here? Had either of you been here before? Or did you come down together fresh? Or how was that? Uh, so I moved out of our home state first, um, going to grad school for about a year, year and a half while you finished um, undergrad. Um, so we had a long-distance relationship for a while, which was had its own challenges, um, and good and bad, I guess. Um, but um, after we had both graduated, then we, um, we you, moved. You graduated grad school before I graduated my undergrad. So you... You did. You did get your job here in the state that we're in first, right? For almost a year, I think. Is that long? I guess it was. I think it was about a year, and then and then I graduated and moved right. down with you. Right. We got married after you graduated. I had a, a big boy job and uh, and an apartment. At an apartment. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know. Uh, one thing I'll add, it, it sounds like uh, I got a good end of the deal. I was not very responsible with money. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you put in a lot of the, the good work to make the money, that doesn't mean that you're a good steward of that money. <laughs> um, so what happened when you moved down here or close to where you are now um, and, and got to where you had some income coming in. How did that, I mean, I can imagine you have worked really, really hard. You've done years of schooling. And during that whole time, it was, I have to work and go to school, work and go to school. And you were making 
I'm, I'm just going to say a paltry amount of money compared to what you're now making with your engineering job post-graduation. Sure. Um, and I think that, you know, what, could you ex- kind of explain your mindset? Because I think it's a pretty common mindset. It's like, I graduated. Now I have this money. Mm. Um. I can tell you what it was like. here's struggling to remember maybe it's a it's a wise back and we we've been through so many iterations with the way that we think about money Mm -hmm. um that sometimes it's easy to forget where you came from sure um but definitely i remember getting that first big paycheck well, it seemed big. It was still, you know, sure, bottom of the totem pole, newbie engineers, you know, but still, it's significantly more than what you're making it's, at minimum wage. And it's more than a lot of people get in their salary. And I, I will be the first to acknowledge that, you know, I appreciate the salary that comes with the type of work that we do. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that that is the defining reason of why someone should pick their job 100%, but... I do appreciate, you know, even when we started out, it was a, it was a livable salary. Right, right. Um, but I can remember getting those first paychecks and thinking, great, now we can actually afford to buy stuff and do stuff. And like, I'm sick of being a broke college student. And it's like, cool, now I can buy that video game system that we've always wanted. Now I can buy, you know, a cool couch because, you know, we have this hand-me-down. Build a new computer. And then they'll build a First. build a desktop, <laughs> basically toys and stuff that you know you're still young, you're still immature, even though you've graduated and you're you're in your adult job, you still, you know, are fairly immature. And I just remember like, we can buy a car, we can you know go on vacation, like we can do stuff now because we have a salary. I do remember the um, habits that I had working minimum wage jobs I carried over when I had my uh, full engineering job. And that was when I had a good chunk of change, I would just blow it on something that I wanted. There was not really like a good thought. It was just like this urge of like, there's something in my pocket. I got to do something with it. There's no real reason for saving it. Right. So, So it just got amplified a little bit more when you had a higher salary so sure. the the habits didn't change right away it wasn't like all of a sudden we got more money and then i was more responsible with my money <laughs> right <laughs> well and i think that's true for a lot of people and i think a lot of people can go their whole life and not become responsible with money i don't think being coming responsible with money just happens right I don't think it just kind of falls from the sky and all of a sudden, you know, you get your diploma and with it, you get this download. I'm going to be responsible with my money and I'm going to. Some people are, are, I think, can be in two categories, right? Savers and spenders. I was much more of a spender. Well, let's be clear, too. We're not, I'm not going to say that just because you're young doesn't mean you can't be responsible and sure. good steward. I think this is something you can learn when you're young. Yes. And still immature mentally and, you know, developmentally. I think that's a skill and a mindset and a habit that you can form and learn while you're young. So I don't think that just being young 
automatically means that you're irresponsible or a bad steward of money. I think that most of us just haven't had great education or great examples in that area. Um, I know a lot of us have just struggled watching family members sure try to figure out how to handle money. So we're like, well, I guess we just figure it out too, I guess, you know. You just check your balance and make sure it's not going negative, and I guess you're doing all right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, that that was pretty much how we operated the first year or so of our marriages. Oh, okay. At, at the end of every month, we're we're positive. We're not we're not behind the on anything. Then we're good. Cool. Yeah. Let's keep or, going. Or sometimes we would buy things like we'd get you know new furniture because you you know that's. Just what you do when you get married. <laughs> you get furniture. Um, and someone asked you if you can afford this. I don't I would, know how to know that. I wouldn't have any clue. Right. Other than do I have it currently in my bank account now? Or or the other one, I guess, would be is it fit within my monthly? Like if you got a paycheck. 90 days, same as check. Yeah. Two, or we're like, you know, so we, we got paid biweekly. So it was like, okay, well, if I doubled that, what would that? Oh, right. You right. know, would that fit my uh, monthly payment? Right. If I, if I just took the total amount and subtracted that, would I still add? Right. <laughs> that's probably still more math than we were doing. That was Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I think that's still talking the way that I talk. The way, the way I think now. Yeah. <laughs> back, back then it was, you know, am I positive? Okay, we could probably afford that. <laughs> so there's that, that rosy period, right, when you first get your paychecks. But then um, if you know anything about student loans, there's a deferment period, right. about six months to a year, depending on your loan. And then all of a sudden you get a bunch of these letters in the mail saying, you You're have gonna to send us to start paying a monthly payment on this thing until you die. <laughs> and the the discovery period for me for a number of your loans was well. So remember, we just got married. We're not that great at communicating. It's true. You know, it's embarrassing. You don't right. like, tell them how much stuff you've got that you got to pay on. And also, I didn't even know. Like some of those were a surprise when I got the letter of hey. This is how much it actually is that you owe. And these are going to be your monthly payments. I didn't know until I got those letters. Right. And it was like, okay, well, now we got to put these 10, like, letters down on the table and see what our monthly payment is. And it was... I think that's when reality set in for us. And that's when we realized we couldn't afford anything. It's a, yeah, it's a, that's a, oh, we have, we have money, but, oh, we owe money. We don't, we don't really have any money. Yeah. Like, it was, like most of our paychecks were going was, to yeah. these loans. So it was way more than rent. Yeah. You know, higher than a mortgage. When, when we first started, probably. I don't remember the monthly payment, to be honest. Um, Ballpark would be like 50%. Of your income? Yeah. Was towards loans and rent. Right. But, right. You know. Your, your basic living. <laughs> basic expenses. basic things that you need to live and not get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're not thinking about tires for the car or, no. you know, it, you know that, that is like. We didn't even have a concept of. 
you yeah. know, emergency situations. Right. Well, before we get into that, let's take a break right here. And I just want to remind you that this is a value for value podcast. And I provide this to you without demand of money or without honoring some kind of advertiser who will support this podcast because advertisers will control what we talk about. So if you are finding value in this podcast, I would ask that you go to elainecross.com slash donate and make a donation to support this show to keep it on the air so that others can hear and others can learn to let their light shine. So on that, let's continue. So there's this shift happening. Bills are pouring in. Reality is kind of hit. Are you thinking, thank goodness we didn't buy a car? Did you buy a car at this point? We did not buy a car. Can you imagine just that one extra element if you had like a three or $400 car payment on top of it? Because I know a lot of people get out of college and buy a new car almost immediately. It's a very tempting thing to do. Both of us had cars that we had. Older. Yeah. I think you still had a payment on your car. Didn't you? I'm trying to remember when that ended. Yeah, I think it it was a little bit later. Initially, you still had a payment. So yours was still fairly new enough that it wasn't even considering. You know, mine ran fine and it was paid off because I worked over summers to just pay cash for it, which, you know, that was parental, like... That was... uh, was, Was that the extent of your financial guidance you got from your parents that is definitely a guidance from my parents i don't think that i was aware of the value of doing it that way but it was recommended from my parents so we should do it this way and so that's what i did but um i don't think i understood the value of that until like much later on right uh, but uh, so i did pay cash for my car and it was running and it was fine um and his was fairly new so we didn't need anything new although you know, it's always very tempting. Um, so what else happened? You got these bills. Sounds like a tricky uh, few conversations. Basically, we just struggled for a long time. And um, I'll be honest, when we first got married and we first moved, Adam already had his job for about a year. I did not find work right away. So because, I mean, I, I was limited in my search because we had a apartment already. He already had a job. So I had to search within the area. Um, and I just didn't find anything right away. It took me probably about eight or nine months, like after moving there, till I actually got accepted in a position. Um, so that's beyond the deferment. Isn't deferment like six months or something? So yes. that's, that's, you're already paying. So we got hit with that on a single income. Right. And it was rough because we didn't have any buffer. And we didn't even know what a buffer was, but we know we didn't have it. <laughs> right. So, so there was a changed? lot of, So there was a lot of strain on our marriage because I didn't also have that other income coming in to help and the majority of the loans came from me. Right. So there was a lot of just you know, early early immaturity in our marriage we're trying to figure out how to relate to each other what marriage looks like we've been long distance we're also trying to live together for the first time you know let alone being in the same state as each other you know it was a lot of news and then there was also this pressure of almost his whole salary is going towards loans 
and you know the apartment yeah i'll admit i wasn't very gracious the first year because it was like it was it was hard because it was you'd go to work and a lot of the and when you got home it was like all right well what what'd you do today i don't know (laughs) so some days it was like i wouldn't say i was like that all the time but there are some days where it was tough well, yeah, I mean, there's only so much to do. I mean, looking for a job is a, almost a full-time job, but there's only so many times you can redo your resume and send in more applications. Sometimes it's waiting. I'm waiting for something to come back. I mean, I'm I'm at the apartment taking care of the apartment. There's not that much to do at the apartment, you know. That's true. We don't house we don't house any friends, and we didn't know the area. There wasn't much to do, but yeah, it's hard when you know you're the one putting all in. It was unreasonable expectations, I guess. I'm shall admit that was the best attitude to have. But I can understand the attitude in that, you know, hey, I'm going to work, I'm paying your bills, I'm paying for this house, and you you came here to get a job, you've got a degree, what's the holdup? You know, what's what's happening? And and I think a lot of that is really early in marriage is, you know, you still use the words you and my instead of we. You know, we are trying to pay for our bills, right. you know, and there, it took us a long time to get to the, the we and us and our and to really feel like we were one and it was us, you know, not just mine and yours and, you know, I and you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part of just being married in the first, the first year of marriage is figuring that out. And that's rough. And so to add a huge financial burden in the middle of trying to figure that out just compounds it. And expectations, like you said. You you right. said the word expectations because, um, you know, from my perspective, you were raised in a culture, a family culture, that was your normal. And you were raised in a family culture that was your normal. Now you've got these two different ways of doing things. I don't care if it's uh, leaving the knife in the peanut butter or setting the knife on the counter. It's little things like that <laughs> that are... Loading like, the dishwasher bronze. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Well, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, those are the things that any newlywed, nobody tells you that. That, you know, there's these little things. And it's just like how your family did it versus how her family did it kind of clashes into this, we're on our honeymoon. Why did you leave the lid off the toothpaste? Why does it matter? (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, you add. And then financial stress on top of that is just. And the inability to get a job. And right. it's, It's just one thing after another thing after another thing. Um, so part of the shift was learning it's us, it's, it's we against the world. It's not you against me, me against you. And then the world, the big bad world's out there for each of us to conquer individually. It's us, Mm -hmm. it's we, it's our, um, do you think something triggered that or was that just something you kind of. I think that's something that we learned over time. I mean, I know. I wouldn't say that was right away. It was not right away. And it wasn't, there wasn't a light 
switch to vent. It's just, it grew over time as, you know, we had to lean on each other. We had to learn how to work with each other. And that's why I say like, that's, that's that whole first year is just learning. Or two. It's, it's rough. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably, it's probably more than one, but I remember the first one was like the, the third. <laughs> Everybody says honeymoon phase. That was not a honeymoon phase. <laughs> you need the honeymoon phase to get, to get through honeymoon. all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so were you active in a church when you moved down here? Well, we didn't know anybody. We didn't right. know churches. We, yeah. We didn't have any of that network of support. Um, I mean, we had reach back. Um, we, you know, we're on the phone with lots of our friends and family all the time, but we did not have that local support. Um, and that's almost another whole topic as well, of just trying to learn how to church hunt in a new area, you know, with your spouse. Because, we, you know, we both didn't grow up in the same church environment either. So now we're having to combine that and finding a church that works for us as, right. a, as a new, you know, one, <laughs> you know. Um, and so that was, that was difficult. And yeah, we had to visit several before we felt like we found the right one. But when we, when we did find the right one, we knew kind of both of us together that that felt like the right fit. Um, and when we did find the right fit, we kind of just jumped in with, you know, both feet. That's good. Um, because we didn't have a lot of other support systems in the area or other things to distract us from it. Um, that was where we went to for friendships and activities and, you know, getting to know our area. Sure. So we, we became very active in our church kind of right away after we picked which one we were yeah, gonna settle with. once we picked which one we thought was going to be our home church obviously we learned more about the church to make sure you know it wasn't just a couple times visiting that you know sure just happened to like and made sure that their core values aligned with you know our beliefs um but then when we made that determination we we really committed to that church and we're still with that church. and we are still today. with that church that's still our home church um Many of those people are are as close as family, like sure, um, but that's where it started. But yeah, it did take us a while to find that. So, what happened that you finally started to go? We need to do something with the finances. We need to maybe look at it a little different. It wasn't working. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, panic mode set in where it was like we were more negative sometimes than positive, and. And then we said, okay, something. I mean, we were two engineers living paycheck to paycheck. And it seemed like something was just off. Like, how, how can we have like seemingly a decent income? But somehow, yeah, we're, we're not making it work, which, you know, everybody, you know, probably listening would be like slapping you up on, upside <laughs> the head going, what are you doing? You're an idiot. You know, <laughs> And yet, I think there's other people who make even more than you do, who still live paycheck to paycheck. True, because it's not about how much you make, it's about your decisions that you make and the behavior that you have and your mindset towards money. Who's, who's in charge? Is your money in charge of you or are you in charge of your money? 
All right. Well, this has been a great visit. If you want to know more about Jesus and about God and how to form a relationship with God, go to elainecross.com slash Jesus and you can download the free ebook, How to Connect to Your True Power Source. There's lots of information there about building a relationship with God, finding a church, learning how to pray, learning about what this means. And it's completely free. Just stop over there and pick it up. And we'll be here next week. Thanks for joining us. Till next time.